Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Billboard Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Keith? I'm okay. Uh, I'm just all right. (laughs) Good. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm still watching some Olympics, and I'm sure you probably still aren't. I'm still not. (laughs) Well, good to know, because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop. For all things pop, and apparently not the Olympics, on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how the Kid Leroy's F-Love, am I allowed to say that? F-Love? I think saying F-Love for our podcast works just great. It's a a four-letter word, rhymes with duck. But I'm going to say F. <laughs> F Love shoots to number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart more than a year after its release. And how Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow's Industry Baby debuts at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. Also on the show, we have Billboard Senior Director of Music and Original Pop Shop Podcast co-host Jason Lipschitz on to talk about his experience attending Lollapalooza over the weekend. We talk all about what it felt like to be back at a festival festival after all this time, his favorite and perhaps most surprising musical moment, and more, so stick around for that. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, let's do the chart chat. First up. A little over a year after the Kid Leroy's F Love album was released, it surges from number 26 to number 1 on the Billboard 200 Albums chart for its first week atop the list, following multiple reissues that added additional tracks to the project. The set, which is now in its 53rd week on the chart, earned 85,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending July 29th, and that's up 409% compared to the previous week according to MRC data. And streaming activity powers the bulk of that figure. F-Love was originally released on July 24th, 2020, as a 15-track album and debuted at number 8 on the August 8th, 2020-dated chart. It was reissued on November 6th, 2020, with seven additional tracks and bounded 81-3 to on the November 21st, 2020 chart, and that was its peak until this week. It was then reissued a third and fourth time this July 23rd and July 27th, adding seven and six tracks respectively, including 
his current Billboard Hot 100 Top 5 hit, Stay, with Justin Bieber. The album's total track list now stands at a very robust 35. It's just a, a rolling stone that just that is gathering moss. It's picking up <laughs> new songs as it goes. <laughs> uh, well, some possibly amazing chart stats for you, Katie. Okay. F Love is the first album to be number one without also having debuted on top since the November 30th, 2019 dated chart when the soundtrack to Frozen 2 rose three to one in its third week on the list. So wow. every other number one album uh, started at number one, basically. That's wild. Yeah. That's really, that's an interesting stat. Um, F Love is also the first album to reach number one more than a year after its release since Prince's The Very Best of Prince re-entered the chart at number one on the May 7th, 2016 chart following Prince's death more than 15 years after its release in 2001. Now, you might be like Gary Trust, who asked me, Keith, what was the last album to take more chart weeks to get to number one? Because, you know, Prince re-entered the chart at number one. So has there been an example of something that was on the chart for a really long time and eventually got to number one, kind of like how the Kid Leroy's album got to number Mm -hmm. one in its 53rd week? And I said, well, the last album to take 53 or more chart weeks to number one was the soundtrack to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which hit number one in its 63rd week on the list, rising two to one on the February 23rd, 2002 dated chart, following its Grammy Award win for Album of the Year. It debuted way back on the January 13th, 2001 dated chart. Remember when Oh Brother Where Art Thou won Album of the Year? Remember? <laughs> oh, that's so wild. That was, that was, I think that might have been before, I'm pretty sure all this was before the Kid Leroy was actually born. Uh, 100% it was. It was more than 20 years ago and the Kid Leroy is a teenager. So, yeah. Next, BTS's Butter spins a ninth week at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. It now boasts the most weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in 2021, having passed the eight-week reign of Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license in January through March. Butter drew, it's Gary Truss, that's his words. I, Butter, I actually, I think we should outlaw Butter puns from this podcast from he, here He on says out. drew every week. I can't help it. Butter, uh, Butter drew 30.5 million radio airplay audience impressions, which was down 1%, and 8.1 million U.S. streams, down 8%, in the week ending July 29th. Butter also sold about 113,000 in the tracking week as well, down 2%. Butter holds at number 21 on the radio songs chart, falls 40 to 44 on the streaming songs chart, and holds at number 1 on the digital song sales chart. Lastly... Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow launch at number two on the Hot 100 with Industry Baby, which arrives as the week's most streamed song. The track was released on July 23rd and opens with 40.6 million streams, 2.9 million in radio audience, and 11,000 sold. The much-buzzed-about track, with an eye-catching video to boot, starts at number one on the streaming songs chart, number six on digital song sales, but has yet to chart on the radio songs tally. In total, Industry Baby is Lil Nas X's fourth top ten and the second for Harlow. 
Well, now it's time for our chat with original Pop Shop co-host Jason Lipschitz about his experience attending Lollapalooza over the weekend. So let's dive into our conversation. So we are welcoming Pop Shop co-founder Jason Lipschitz to the show to discuss uh, his weekend at Lollapalooza because he has now had an experience that many of us have not had in quite some time. And we wanted to kind of go to the front lines and and hear about it. So Jason, first of all, welcome back from Chicago. Thank you very Um, much. Uh, Fresh off the plane a few hours ago, back in suburban New Jersey, where I belong. (laughs) Exactly. And so can you kind of just like start by giving us an overview of like what it was like to be back at a festival after this long? Yeah, it was definitely a little strange and definitely mixed emotions in the sense of, you know, being in a crowd or near a crowd or back uh, in the back of a crowd at a music festival. It it, it was really exciting. I I haven't been to a show uh, since everything shut down in March 2020. So to be able to watch some artists that I, I love and uh, was really thrilled to see live was was great it was a great experience on the other hand you know there's obviously a ton of concern around Lollapalooza and the return of live music with rising case numbers and the delta variant and, and all that stuff so you know uh, I went with my wife uh, to Lollapalooza on Saturday and Sunday and basically our which we abided by and, and felt pretty good about was uh wearing a mask uh, as often as humanly possible, especially when walking through crowds. We definitely were masked up at that point. We really only took our masks off when we were eating and drinking, but also at that point, those points, we were pretty removed from other people. So, you know, obviously that wasn't the case for most people. We were a little bit more extreme in our caution than all the teens who were running around and having a blast and, and most of the adults, I will say, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, like I said, mixed emotions where you're so excited to be back a little bit nervous to be back, but, you know, tried our best to be safe and and responsible about it. Um, I'm sure Keith is curious as well, but I um, would love to know, like just musically what the, you know, standout moment for you was that you saw. Well, it's two words, Katie, and those words are limp and bizkit. Um, I want to point was, out. I want to point out. Jason posted something on his Instagram, and I was truly confused. It was a picture of someone on stage, and I pieced together that he was at Lollapalooza because I guess I forgot where he was going to be this weekend. And it was a picture of someone, and he, and then the the graphic that he put on it that he added from Instagram was the word Chicago. So in my mind, I'm like, is this the band Chicago? Because the because <laughs> the guy on stage had a bunch of gray hair and like a mustache, and I'm like, is that Michael McDonald? Like, Michael McDonald's not in Chicago. He's in the Doobie Brothers. I'm like, maybe Michael McDonald's there. Turns out, no, Jason. Who did I spot in this photo? That was one Mr. Frederick Durst. Is that a wig? Um, is that his hair? I cannot confirm or deny, but I, I will say, and I, I posted this in my recap, there was a lot of, is that a wig questions in the audience? Because it looked, you know, Fred Durst is 50 years old. If he has a head full of gray hair, like, you know, more power to him. But it, the hair was not moving and did not, you know, 
have any moisture or any sweat while he was jumping around the stage. So I'm just going to put that out there. I can confirm or deny the authenticity of his hair, but you know, it's, it's interesting because my, my, one of our colleagues, uh, Andrew Runtberger and I were just talking about this a couple minutes ago. I really like when festivals and I've been to a, a million festivals, uh, fortunately enough over my time at billboard, I really like it when they get creative with their booking because so many of these festivals have this kind of overlap homogenized booking festival circuit. And when biscuit is not really part of that and, and hasn't been playing festivals in recent memory. So, you know, having them at Lollapalooza on Saturday afternoon was exciting and they played all their hits. People had a great time. Fred Durst encouraged people to get vaccinated, which was great. And yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really fun show that was unexpected in a lot of ways. That's what I was going to say. I feel like it allows you to get nostalgic about music that you didn't think you'd be nostalgic for, but then when presented with it, it's like, it's a, it's a whole era. It represents a complete, you know, time period that they dominated. So that's so fun. To be sure, yeah. to be sure, they were completely a surprise. Like they, no one knew that they were going to take the stage. No, they were they on the lineup. Okay. Yeah, they were on the lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you I think will. I, why do you think I booked a ticket? Um, <laughs> I, I will know. say. Uh, I don't know. You want, uh, you wanted to see the babies canceled. Game. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, that was not meant to be. I, um, one surprise performance though on Saturday literally half an hour before Limp Bizkit was Machine Gun Kelly. But here's the thing about that. I just said that I was staying away from the teens. Machine Gun Kelly was playing on what I think was the tiniest stage at Lollapalooza in a surprise performance. And uh, I don't have to tell you how mobbed that that stage was with the teens. So I was like, nope, for my sanity and safety, I will not be catching Machine Gun Kelly. But our colleague Lindsay Havens did, did catch him and, and said that uh, Lindsay awesome. Lindsay fits in with the teens so just send her over there <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> I guess I'm just wondering I mean you you talked about I mean I guess this shouldn't be the talking point for every festival but Delta variant COVID cases are rising Disney is mandating that everyone has to wear masks in at Disney World um did, did you feel like after this you know multiple days in a place where there are tens of thousands of unmasked people like, you know, jumping around a field. Did you feel like, Whoa, I cannot wait to go to the next festival. Or did you think, you know what? I don't know. I feel a little bit leery about this. I even feel weird about going to a 10,000 person, you know, show inside an arena. Like how do you personally feel about where we are with shows and like sort of moving forward? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I, I think it, it really is almost kind of a, a personal preference in the sense of, you know, we walked in to Lollapalooza and we had to have our vaccine cards and they checked both days. They checked our vax cards as well as lining them up with our photo IDs. All attendees did? I, at least we did. Yeah. Or, I, or a negative test or a negative a certain test, time period. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so, yeah. so they, so all attendees at Lollapalooza either had to be vaccinated or have a negative test within a few days before the event. Correct. That's great. One, yeah. And then one, one of the other uh, stipulations for entry, I believe they, they mandated this on either Friday or Saturday morning was that you had to wear a mask within an indoor area at Lollapalooza. Now you think how many indoor areas are at Lollapalooza? There actually are a couple there. The, the main Lollapalooza merch 
shop is this kind of like enclosed store and you had to be wearing a mask. Like they had someone giving out masks as people walked up to it. You had to wear a mask inside. So there were efforts in terms of that type of safety. And, you know, like I said, it, it really comes down to personal, personal preference. I, I mean, obviously I can't speak to how closely all of the staff who did, who I want to shout out, they did a really amazing job. There were no major incidents that I perceived while I was there. It was very clean. It was very friendly. Um, I don't know how closely they were checking all of the thousands of people's vax cards and IDs. They, it really could have been like a, Oh, I see a white piece of paper go on in, but you know, it, for me, just speaking as myself, like I felt pretty comfortable there. I think I probably would have felt a little less comfortable if I was in the mosh pit with a bunch of 19 year olds, uh, during, you know, Limp Biscuit or Foo Fighters or whatever. But I think having those safety checkpoints and then kind of removing myself to a degree in which I was comfortable, you know, lingering at the back of the general area, viewing party places. Um, you know, I think I, I, I left it feeling okay. Now, what are the next couple of months going to look like? I think that's what everybody is wondering because now we have this gap in between these first couple of Lollapalooza, Rolling Loud Miami, Newport. Now, there's a little bit of a lull and then September starts up with Bonnaroo, Governor's Ball, Firefly. What is that next month going to look like? How much is everything going to shut down again? I, I guess that's the big question, but, you know, if I had a ticket to a September or October festival and it was run as well as Lollapalooza was run, I think I'd feel pretty comfortable going back. Um, but yeah, I, again, I, I totally understand people who are who are more hesitant for sure. Um, what was there like one, two, three performances or like moments or like songs that you were that you'll just that you that you've burned in your brain? You're like, oh man, this is like the, one of the top three things for me from from the weekend. Foo Fighters were great to close things out on on Sunday night. Hearing them play like my hero and the pretender and times like these was really cool just in terms of like this sprawling festival audience. I got uh, to the festival a little bit early on Sunday to see rumor uh, RMR who's one of my favorite new rappers. And uh, he was immediately followed by Jaden JXDN um, who had a very young and fun crowd and basically you know, resembled a, a pop punk Justin Bieber, which I, I deeply appreciated. Um, but yeah, and, and you know, there it was like a nice smattering. I, I I was only there Saturday and Sunday of Lollapalooza. So seeing Limp Bizkit, seeing, you know, Megan Thee Stallion do Savage was really cool. Um, Post, Post Malone was great. Post Malone's an awesome live performer. And uh, I've wrote about how how great Circles sounded on a Saturday night in in uh, at a festival field. So yeah, it was, it was a fun lineup and, and a, a fun few days of just seeing these songs that I'd been waiting to see live. That's what uh, I was going to say. Savage is a good example of one yeah. that like most of us haven't had a chance to see in a live space at this point. There's exactly. so many examples of that. Well, speaking of that, how much, how much new stuff did Posty perform? Uh, Cause he's released a number of new 
well, not a number, but he's had a couple of new tracks. I mean, did he do a cover of Hootie and the Blowfish by chance? He did not bring out <laughs> Pikachu. He did not bring out Pikachu to do missed opportunity. Pokemon only want to be with you. He did do Motley Crue, his reach, his recent single, which sounded awesome live. I, I I was a little bit lower on the studio version of that song, but live it it really popped for sure. And yeah, I mean, in terms of new stuff, uh, it, it's kind of hard for me to say. Obviously, you know, Modest Mouse had a new album, so they played uh, a good amount of that during their show. But, and uh, another one I just remember, Brock Hampton, we saw last night. They played some some recent stuff as well. Um, but yeah, no, it, you know, it was, it was kind of par for the course in terms of the festival. It, there were some new song debuts and then some, like like a savage, like recent hits that hadn't been able to be performed live finally kind of presented. Jason, we always appreciate you joining us and you're always invited. Always? Always. always. Oh my goodness. Like oh if you just goodness, feel the need gracious. to pop in. Yeah, not not just when Katie's, you know, on maternity leave. You can come right. you can come by whenever you want. <laughs> Off the blacklist and ready to roll. Thank you guys. <laughs> As always. Thanks so much to Jason as always, for joining us on the Pop Shop and for telling us what it's like out there in the festival world, because Keith and I have no idea. So now you know, too. Because <laughs> Keith and I have no idea. Uh, now it's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. <laughs> 25 years ago this week, Los Del Rio's Macarena shimmied its way to number one on the Billboard Hot 100, climbing four to one on the chart dated August 3rd, 1996. The Spanish duo's tune took a long road to number one, having first been recorded for Los Del Rio's 1993 album, A Mi Me Gusta. The track eventually found its way to the U.S. via a Miami DJ for WPOW, who convinced his station bosses to play the track. The powers that be at the station wanted an English version, however, so the DJ recruited some folks to overhaul the lyrics and melody while retaining the original chorus. The new version, which was dubbed the Bayside Boys Mix, initially peaked at number 45 on the Hot 100 in late 1995. But once New York's radio station WKTU added the song, it exploded. It re-entered the Hot 100 the next May, and finally hit number one in its 33rd week on the chart. The song went on to rule the Hot 100 for 14 weeks. Macarena was, of course, powered by its iconic dance, which Los Del Rio told Billboard in 2016 that a crowd at an annual fair in Seville, Spain, spontaneously conceived. The steps, a simplified rumba of sorts. Rumba? Rumba. Rumba? I liked rumba. Rumba. <laughs> Rumba. Uh, Stirred a dance craze with everyone from politicians sort of not doing it very well to a crowd of more than 50,000 uh, executing it on August 16th, 1996 during mm. a New York Yankees baseball game. Uh, did you ever do the Macarena, Katie? Of course I did. Yeah, who didn't? I was a, you know, a teenage girl when it, when it was a big deal. Of course I did. <laughs> there wasn't TikTok, but I, I definitely was they doing it. They can't have me. I'm like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> Um, all right, so so there you have it. 25 years ago this week, the Macarena hit number one on the Hot 100.
This whole show was a real time capsule. <laughs> Limp Biscuit. <laughs> exactly. The and Macarena. then And then Oh Brother Where Art Thou? <laughs> <laughs> Most people listening to the show are like, I haven't heard of any of these things you've name checked, Keith. Today. Oh, this was like basically covered my freshman to senior year of high school all in one span. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> wow. Um, all right. So what song should we go out on? Oh, man. Well, maybe we should do like uh, Lou Bega, Mambo Number no. 5 or something else from that godforsaken time. It was a great time. <laughs> sort of the late 90s, early 2000s of music. It was a very fun time. I'm very glad I grew up during that time. It was a good time to be a kid and a teenager. Sure. So, yeah. So, Lou Bega. <laughs> Mambo Number no. 5. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.